0: Welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max. Thanks very much for tuning in for the show. It's Thursday, October 26th, 2023, and I'm very pleased to be joined by New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams. Speaker Adams, a Democrat, ascended to that role as chosen by the members of the 51-seat City Council in January of 2022. She's been in the council since 2018 and represents the 28th council district of southeast queens she's the first ever african-american speaker of the new york city council and leads the first ever women majority of the council speaker adams took on this powerful and important legislative leadership position at the same time that eric adams no relation ascended to the position of mayor and they've been working together in those positions over the past nearly two years While the council also fulfills its duties as a check on the mayoral administration, including through oversight hearings and other mechanisms, the two sides of City Hall negotiate the roughly one hundred ten billion dollar city budget together. And the council considers and passes legislation, often with the input of the mayoral administration and other stakeholders. There's a lot going on to get to with the Speaker of the City Council, who has generously taken some time out of her busy schedule to be here. So let's get to our conversation. Hello, Speaker Adams. Thank you for being here. How are you?
1: Hi, Ben, all is well. Thank you so much for having me. We're doing all right.
0: Thanks for taking the time. So we're speaking here, as I mentioned, right towards the end of October, the mayor's November budget modification, the mid fiscal year update to the budget is due soon. Uh, So let's start there. Have you been briefed yet? It might be a little early, but have you been briefed yet by the mayor and his budget office about how that's coming along? What are you watching for most there? What are you concerned about? Obviously, the mayor has previously announced uh, a budget savings plan that will be implemented beginning with this November budget modification, asking all of his city agencies to find 5 percent in savings for this plan. That doesn't mean he'll take them up on all of those offerings, but he's announced a savings plan, a program to eliminate the gap, a PEG, to use in this November budget modification for the current fiscal year and then planning for the next year. So have you been briefed yet about how that's coming along? What are you most watching for or concerned about there? What are you telling the mayor and the budget director not to do in that plan or to do in that plan? Where's that at?
1: Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, we really have not had a formal briefing um, on it yet. We do know, you know, we were giving given a little bit, you know, of a clue, uh, you know, in looking at the, the forecasts and knowing that where we wanted um, funds, certainly funds for the city to be a lot better. We know that that's not necessarily going to be the case. Uh, the peg situation is still looming over the city agencies and uh, we were hoping, you know, that there would be a little bit of, um, you know, alleviation when it came to that, but, you know, we're still pretty much in the same place with the pegs as we were and we're still concerned, you know, that uh, many of our agencies are already struggling to fulfill their obligations to New Yorkers and um, The hiring freeze, uh, you know, uh, possibilities. And there's just a lot that we're looking at right now. We're still holding out hope for the November modification, but we're still being very realistic about what the city budget really is.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there areas of potential cuts that are at the top of your radar that you are, you know, either want the mayor to know now or going to try to uh, influence the decisions around? Obviously, there's been a lot of back and forth around things like school budget allocations, mm-hmm. library funding, mm-hmm. CUNY funding, a number of things, but it really goes across city government. Um, are there are there specific things that are of top concern right now, given As you note, there's a lot of metrics in the mayor's management report and other areas where the city is struggling to provide services in a timely fashion and effective fashion. So what are specifics at the top of your mind here?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you mentioned you mentioned uh, the critical pieces uh, for the council. We are always, you know, front and center when it comes to, you know, our oversight and our feelings on education and the DOE in particular. What impacts um, these cuts are going to have on children, uh, on uh, education, on the entire system and how much the system, you know, can can spare to lose. That is of paramount concern. You mentioned CUNY as well. CUNY has always been you know, very near and dear to the council also. And uh, we are looking at that as well. Um, and, and I believe you know, as we speak, the council's having a hearing on the mayor's management report now, the MMR, and mm-hmm. how the administration's performance impacts the lives of New Yorkers. but. Um, you know, when we're if we're talking about the MMR in particular, there are a number of troubling takeaways from the MMR overall. For example, the average FDNY response time to life-threatening medical emergencies by both ambulance and fire companies have increased significantly by 10% from fiscal year 19 to fiscal year 23. But it's also concerning that the uh, Department of Health and Mental Hygiene (DOHMH) is behind in their inspections from pre-pandemic levels. So we've got, you know, we've got concern here. The number of group childcare inspections actually dropped by over 2,000, and that's from um, 8,624 in fiscal year 19 to about 6,554 in mm-hmm. fiscal year 23. So we've got a number of things we're looking at. If we look at restaurant inspections, that rate actually dropped by over 16%, down from uh, 99.5% in fiscal year 19 to 83.4 in fiscal year 23. Um, I mean, we could go on and on, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. you know, and, I, and obviously
0: there's the, yeah. there's been a lot of attention on the slow pace of getting food stamp approvals That's and right. cash assistance approval assistance approvals. Now, I, I don't know about all the specifics. One ones you just mentioned, but I know broadly speaking, even in the mayor's management report, the, that the city points on a number of fronts to staffing challenges at city mm-hmm. agencies as part of the reason for some of those troubling statistics and the and performance so it, it, how does the city sort of get out of this if the mayor is citing these budget deficits and citing the obviously the increased cost of migrant care which we can get to in a minute as part of that but not the whole the whole cause of the of the budget gaps um, if the, if he's citing these, but but city services are already suffering, and then he's implementing a hiring freeze to not fill even the twenty thousand uh, budgeted vacant positions. Do you have a, a sense of how you'd like to see the city get out of this, and what you're going to be stressing to the mayor about about those policies?
1: Well, you know, you're absolutely right, and when we look at the data, we. We know that staffing vacancies and delays have already impacted the health and safety, you know, of our New Yorkers, which we we can't risk that. So, you know, while the council is going to be digging deeper, we know there's a whole lot of more, uh, a whole lot more to be done, of course, to improve the delivery of municipal services and to address these issues um, as far as, you know, workarounds and how to uh, kind of thwart Uh, you know, the the harm here, that's the big question. And again, our job is to maintain the oversight. And that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to go in on oversight, asking the tough questions, and, you know, pretty much demanding that that the administration come up, you know, step up to the plate. New Yorkers are hurting because of Mm -hmm. these policies, and we've got to do something about it.
0: And, And does that mean, in essence, if the mayor may need to find significant savings to make sure the budget is, is balanced. If there's certain increased costs, then you know there, there might need to be savings found in different places. Um, there's also, of course, reserves to potentially use. Uh, but does that mean that sort of the stress needs to be on the mayoral administration to find city agency savings that A, don't reduce services in any way while also B, ensuring that this hiring freeze isn't necessary. I mean, is, is that sort of where the discussion, the crux of the discussion is going to come down is is mm-hmm. if, if you're gonna make budget cuts, they can impact services and you have to figure out a way to be able to fill these vacancies so that service services improve. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that yeah, We, is we that can on the, on the track of the message that that you're you're trying to send or yeah. or do you think a hiring freeze potentially does have to move forward?
1: you know um that is again that that's that's the critical question here and why you know our oversight hearings are so critical to all of this our goal is to ensure that city government functions efficiently that New Yorkers needs are met through the essential services that the city provides and that we can address long term challenges to the issues confronting the city's workforce. Now, if we continue to look at, you know, kind of constricting the workforce, um, preventing the workforce uh, from increasing, then we've got a whole other can of worms that we're taking a look at. But all conversations are certainly on the
0: table. And you'll obviously hold a hearing on on the November budget modification Mm -hmm. when it when it's out. Uh, after you've had some time to examine it. So obviously watch for that hearing last year around that there was some real tension and disagreement. The mayor made cuts in the November budget modification that you didn't like and disagreed with. But you found yourself in a place where you thought that you couldn't really um you didn't want to reject the budget modification because you felt that that would then potentially put at risk many millions of dollars in discretionary funding right. in the budget. If you don't like what this November budget modification has, have you been looking at alternative ways to push back this year? Are there ways that you can, once that plan is out from the mayor, are there ways that you can uh, insist on adjustments to it before the council fully considers it in the in the narrow timeframe that you have?
1: We can certainly, you know, have those conversations. I think, you know, some of the preliminary conversations that we're having um, concerning this, uh, we're we're already discussing that. We are really hoping that we don't get to, you know, we we don't want to get to a contentious place that does nobody any good at all. So we're looking to kind of thwart this stuff, um, you know, before any of this gets to, you know, a, uh, dire situation. Um, we do, you know, the council is not naive, you know, as far as what we know is going on. We do know that, you know, again, the, the funding from the federal government is no longer here. COVID funding is no longer here. There are just some things that we've got to face facts about, and we've Mm -hmm. got to work collaboratively to, um, to, to get all of this done in the interest of, you know, of our New Yorkers.
0: The, uh, Department of Education announced just, just this week that it'll be returning to the sort of pre-pandemic way of doing things with school budget allocations, which which means as mid-year approaches, the city might be reducing some funding to individual schools based on enrollment numbers if the enrollment numbers at school at certain schools are lower than projected. Are you okay with the return to that policy? you 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 know this has been a point of contention over the last couple of years. School funding, the mayor has said, listen, we can't keep funding schools for students that aren't at the schools. And this is one place where, you know, savings is possible. federal aid is running out, as you noted. Um, are you okay with that return to that policy, or is that something you're pushing back against?
1: well you know quite quite frankly we are never happy when we've got to take you know cuts anywhere particularly when it comes to education uh the low enrollment factor though i think um you know if we are going to see any you know any funding you know uh, uh lessened in in the doe i think that's probably the most logical thing to do, if enrollment is low, um, that would probably again be the most logical place, you know, where we would see savings there. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's t- again, it's really really tough to push back, you know, if a school does not have the numbers and the school doesn't have the numbers, and, and that's pretty much where it is. We're going to mm-hmm. have to, you know, help our our um, our principals uh, budget to that, and uh, we're going to have to work with it. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, You were at a council hearing earlier this week that was held on October 23rd related to the city's actual and projected costs for serving asylum seeking migrants. Um, You had some real questions for the mayoral administration about um, their budgeting, their costs, increasing costs, especially on a sort of per diem basis that you were um, concerned about those costs going up, even as As you noted, you would assume that as this crisis has gone on for a long time, as you're buying, you know, you're you're sort of purchasing services more in bulk, et cetera, that you would think that some of those costs would be able to be sort of managed in a better way and brought down. But they they keep increasing. What's what was your big takeaway from from that hearing? And what are your biggest concerns? Do you think the mayoral administration is having a very hard time sort of putting in the cost controls that are necessary here?
1: i think they have uh in the past um uh we're looking forward to and i and this this oversight hearing you know, shed light on a whole lot of things for us. We had the hearing on the cost and projections of the administration's asylum seeker response effort because we want to ensure they're using taxpayer dollars efficiently and that clients are receiving effective services, of course. Um, In the adopted FY24 budget, $2.9 billion was allocated to expenses associated with these services. But in August, the administration revised its projections to increase to 4.7 billion by the end of the fiscal year and 6.1 billion in the following fiscal year. Now that's a huge increase. So what we wanted to determine was why the per diem cost of services for individual asylum seekers has risen from $363 per person, which was my questioning to them in January, um, to $383 in July, to $394 in October. That per diem cost, Ben, is also exponentially higher than those of the Department of Homeless Services in FY22 the DHS per diem cost was $136 for single adults, $172 for adult families, and $188 for families with children. So, you know, when the city is providing more services for um, an increased population, we should be able to achieve some economies of scale that cause the cost of services per person to go down, but that's not what we were seeing. And what we heard from the administration was that there were a lot of factors that increased costs, but we still got no breakdown on that per diem. And we we're concerned about that. So as we enter the third year, third year of welcoming asylum seekers, it's critical that we shift away from emergency contracts. And my colleagues questioning was on this as well. We've gotta go towards long-term planning. We have to ask whether it's effective or cost efficient for private emergency contractors to continue to do this work, or if certain services can be shifted to mission-driven nonprofit organizations that have already uh, been doing the work. So these are the questions the the admin should grapple with. I hope they're grappling with it. And that's the approach that we wanna emphasize.
0: One thing that the mayor and the administration are are maybe touting a little bit of early indicators of success uh, from their perspective on is this new policy of limiting the initial sh- uh, shelter stays uh, to sixty days in some cases, mm-hmm. thirty days in some cases, and giving asylum seekers these notices that they if they want to stay in the city's care they have to reapply after those time periods, and they provided some data that showed that this is seemingly starting to work to some extent to encourage migrants to either head elsewhere out of the city or find places to stay that are not in the city's care. You've expressed concerns about this applying to families with children. And, yeah. and I think for a lot of people, that is a different category here. But do you think generally speaking that this new policy is showing some potential for helping the city reduce costs by encouraging people to either Head elsewhere, which the city is is paying for uh, airfare or bus fare for them to go on to additional destinations, mm-hmm. or find places to sort of live with someone they've connected with, or or a you know acquaintance, a family member, or some somebody else in in a network. Um, that the, some of that can obviously open up new questions in terms of are people overcrowding apartments and is that good for people or people obviously living in substandard you know conditions otherwise. But broadly speaking, do you think that policy holds some promise or are you more concerned than you are encouraged?
1: You know, we're going to have to keep an eye out on it. Um, As I've said before, the policy is concerning. Um, It could risk the safety of families with children, you know, and and that should never, ever happen. Um, It also has the potential to exacerbate street homelessness and destabilize the lives of children and families um, and perhaps place children in unsafe situations. You know, I understand we're looking at cost savings, which we have to do. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just continue to wish that there was more collaboration by the admin to address these challenges when considering the rollout of these new policies so that we could look at solutions that avoid potentially harming, you know, folks that are already in, that have been, you know, placed in harm's way to get here in the first place. Um, so we're going to have to keep an eye on exactly what these policies are producing, the results that they're producing. Um, they, I don't know if there's any tracking or whether we need tracking, to, you mm-hmm. know, to, to to find out, you know, where asylum seekers are going and um, are they are, are they being cared for? Are, will this be a revolving door if they go someplace else and then realize that they can't, you know, sustain someplace else and have to reapply again. So, you know, there are a whole lot of factors that we have to look at.
0: Speaking of something you said, the mayor said this week, uh, I think reiterated, I think he said this before, but he said it's not if people are going to be sleeping on the streets, it's when. I wanted to get your reaction to that. I mean, you know, this seems like part of sort of escalating rhetoric from the mayor and his administration asking for more help from the state and the federal government, which obviously you've been supportive of, uh, those requests as well and there's widespread agreement that both the other levels of government should be doing more to help the city but i'm wondering how you react to the mayor saying you know pretty soon cities run out of space there's going to be people arriving and not not found a place to stay and and sleeping on the streets
1: yeah um you know it's, it's so troubling to to hear you know to hear the sentiment um just this the the you know, the gloom and doom scenario put out, but, you know, we see it as, you know, another cry for the federal government and others to do their part. When we take a look at this situation, it is gargantuan, it is unprecedented, and it is unfair for New York to truly, you know, bear the burden of a nation. When we take a look at New York State, even, New York City is such a small percentage of the entire state, we should be moving migrants, you know, upstate as well. So, We need to get a lot better with, you know, sharing the issue Mm -hmm. we need for the federal government to step up. And, and help us out. When it comes to financing the issue, we've been holding it down very well uh, as as far as, you know, providing for asylum seekers, maintaining asylum seekers. But, you know, as as it keeps on being said, I mean, we're looking at what, 4,000 approximately coming in on a daily basis. The, the situation-
0: Weekly, I think, yeah.
1: Weekly, that's mm-hmm. right. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, y- y- you know, we, we have to really take a look at you know, why, you know, the mayor, um, you know, perhaps is, you know, dealing with the situation the way that he is verbally. I understand it. Um, We need for other people to step up and help New York City
0: returning to um sort of a theme we were discussing earlier about the city government performance um i recently had on the show uh, your majority whip uh council mm-hmm. savina brooks, brooks powers she had just chaired an oversight hearing on the city's streets plan implementation she expressed a lot of frustration i know you've talked about this too that the city is really behind the mandatory requirements of the streets plan law when it comes to bus lanes and bike lanes and other things but those two as as major ones um is there anything the council can do on that front in terms of <laughs> better ensuring that the mayoral administration is implementing the law that was passed by the council in the previous term when uh you know the the current uh, Department of Transportation Commissioner was the chair of the Transportation Committee in the council and helped champion that bill through, but there's some real challenges with implementation, some of it's staffing, some of it seems to be the mayor's priorities. Um, any thoughts on how that can be better implemented? Is it, Do you have a message to the mayor about sort of what what you want to see there?
1: Yeah, you know, I I completely agree with the majority whip's uh, stance on this. This is, you know, um, this is the law. So, you know, the council is going to have to continue to push the administration to comply, you know, with the law that the council passed that the administration signed off on. And, uh, you know, yes, we we have to, um, we have to definitely keep, you know, keep the pressure on the admin to do what it is that we are supposed to do, you know, for the city. Um, and really, we've got to continue to push. So I, I completely agree with um, Councilmember Brooks Power stance on this. We have to make sure that the admin complies with the laws that we have in place.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a few more minutes here with City Council Speaker Adrian Adams, and and thanks again for taking the time. You had a hearing uh, recently, about a month ago, on your housing plan uh, bill. It's a fair housing bill. It would require housing growth targets in every community district across the city. Uh, You held a hearing on this with administration officials to discuss it. Um, Any big takeaways from that and sort of next steps on that bill? Uh, The big... Criticism, I think – two criticisms I've heard of that bill, though I'm not sure they came up from the administration per se, was one, uh, it might be too narrow of targeting to sort of insist every community district in the city has its own specific target and, and that that might be um, a, you know a little bit sort of narrow and burdensome on individual community districts and then and then the other one is that it, you know it would be a uh, a sort of a plan a goal without sort of an enforcement mechanism to it um so i don't know if it's on those two items or anything else but where is sort of the the consideration of your bill stand and what are you thinking about next on that legislation
1: yeah thank you so much for that sure. question you know i'm really excited about this legislation. Um, I'm excited about the prospects for the city when it comes to housing and being more creative and equitable when it comes to housing. It's important that we take a step back to look at the full picture of the housing crisis that we're facing. More than half of all New Yorkers are rent burdened, meaning they pay more than 30 percent of their income on rent alone, and we continue to see articles come out on that. Over the last decade, Our city only built 200,000 housing units, but we welcomed 630,000 new residents. So the rate of housing hasn't kept up with population and job growth. And we have to consider who this is impacting as well. Over the past two decades, our city's Black population declined by 10% because of this affordability and housing crisis. We've seen people leave New York City. And with so many people now struggling to make ends meet, we need comprehensive solutions that match the needs of our city. So my legislation, which we call the Fair Housing Framework, aims to make sure every neighborhood across the city contributes to solving this housing crisis. It would create five-year housing production targets for every community district in the city, as you noted, including for low-income affordable housing, supportive housing, and one of my pet peeves, we've got to get more senior housing cooking in the city. Mm. But it's not just about housing, Ben. The the, the framework requires the development of specific equity goals and strategies that will deepen neighborhood investments in, in underserved communities. My legislation is going to help us meet our city's housing needs while also ensuring that this growth is equitable, sustainable, and supported by investments. So we may have a little bit of, you know, conversation or uh, I, I haven't really heard any criticism per se, but what city agencies expressed at the September hearing was that they're supportive of the goals of the bill, and I'm encouraged by that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now it seems, a, I mean, it seems mm-hmm. to dovetail nicely with the mayor's yes plans and and the city of yes, zoning reform mm-hmm. proposal that the council will ultimately get to decide whether it moves forward. Uh, yeah, ab- do, do you yeah. see that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's one thing that the mayor and I did discuss, you know, how, um, how the city of yes plans, you know, partners well with the fair housing framework, our goals are, uh, are ultimately the same. When it comes to accomplishing housing in the city, so you know, um you know we we're putting our heads together to try to figure this out as best we can.
0: Do you see them? Uh, you know, I mean the, the city of yes, zoning changes. They have to go through the extensive Euler process mm-hmm. that ultimately winds up with the city council and and probably will, they estimate roughly next fall. Your bill could operate on its own timeline, you know, per the council uh, deciding whether to pass it and in what form. But do you see them sort of going together and potentially passing both at some point next year?
1: Well, uh, uh, I I hope so. I hope we can do that. Um, The mayor and the Department of City Planning have initiated, you know, their preliminary proposal for the citywide text amendment that explores how zoning changes can help unlock housing production and that plays into it as well. So, you know, we welcome these, all these mm-hmm. proposals as a starting point to advancing changes, um, you know, because our city needs it. Our zoning policies are key, of course, to achieving housing growth through the lens of equity and access.
0: Last couple of quick questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on housing, the uh, council, of course, a lot of attention on this, overrode the mayor's veto of housing voucher expansion uh, bills are you uh, do you have a sense yet as to whether the mayoral administration is moving around um, implementing that? Is it a concern of yours? Do you have any reason to be concerned that they won't implement it or they'll slow walk it in some way or force you into some other action to make sure it gets implemented? We already talked in this conversation about things they're not implementing that didn't even involve an override of a veto. So, right. this, you know, is a whole nother category of sort yeah. of. Yeah. Disagreement on policy here and cost. Um, so, do you have an indication as to whether the mayoral administration is is following now with the fact that you overrode the veto and, and implementing the voucher expansion and 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 that that will then factor into upcoming budget plans?
1: You know, my 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 hope um, is that um, we can constructively work together. Um, you know, towards ensuring effective implementation of these bills, that's going to be our focus. Implementation, as you said, is going to be key, you know, with this. And you know, just kind of backtracking on it, the city FEPS legislative package represents the most significant policy reforms to address homelessness within our city in years. Um, they help the lowest income New Yorkers facing homelessness and housing insecurity from eviction to stay in their homes and those who are in shelter to transit transition out more quickly. Um, so, uh, um, again, my hope is that we can constructively work together mm-hmm. towards uh, ensuring implementation of these bills. It's just really important that so we. No
0: can... indi- oh, I'm yeah. So mm-hmm. no. I'm sorry. Excuse me. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. No. So no indication at this point, though, that the mayor is sort of digging in on this in any way. You, you, we don't know yet if there's any reason to be concerned that because you overwrote a veto and the mayor was objecting to these yeah. pieces of legislation. We don't we don't have You don't have any indication yet that they're not going to implement the the law.
1: Yeah, we don't have any indication okay. yet. We, we haven't heard anything as you know, as far as, you know, further pushback.
0: Gotcha. OK. And uh, just lastly, um, you've been outspoken about the issue of um, police accountability, the Kowalski-Trowick situation where you have called on the NYPD commissioner and the mayor to implement discipline for the officers involved. Do you uh, have any further sort of comment on that? There are you know, real questions about how under Mayor Adams, whether he's sort of followed through with his promise You know, he he had a promise, which I think you're aligned with, which is support officers in uniform who are doing the right thing, boost morale at the NYPD, but also increase accountability for those that don't follow through on their oath or don't follow the law and that you can do both at the same time. I, I think there's been some real questions about whether the mayor has sort of followed through on his promises to increase accountability and that this specific instance is an example of that, is that your stand to this moment and you see this incident as a major test of the mayor and the commissioner
1: you know um well first let me say that I I, I think the fact that the deputy commissioner is recommending no discipline for the actions of these officers um, due to delays that the NY is responsible for is completely unjustifiable. The officers must face accountability for their actions and Commissioner Caban can deliver on that responsibility. I really, really hope that he does um, deliver on that responsibility. For several years, and we had the Trey family in chamber, A a few months ago. This family has waited for a shred of accountability for Kowalski's killing. Accountability is the least the Traywick family and New Yorkers deserve. It's just really painful to see what they're going through year after year. No parent wants to outlive their children. Uh, And while any premature death of a child is tragic, it's even more traumatic when you lose a child to violence at the hands of those who are supposed to protect us. Um, You know, I i'm a mother and a grandmother raising children here so this is really our worst nightmare but too often it's a reality i think about my own children ben just as they should be safe in their homes kawaski should have been safe in his so i you know as mm-hmm. speaker I, I still fully support the traywick family's right for accountability because it's critical for them it's critical for our city and of course it is critical for public safety
0: let me ask you, uh, in saying goodbye, just about one other piece of legislation. Apologies for keeping an extra minute here. Um, you've you've expressed support for uh, the bill that's the lead sponsors, Public Advocate Williams, that would ban solitary confinement in city jails. Um, it hasn't advanced yet under this term. Uh, do you see it advancing? And I should say for listeners, the bill is very complicated. It's not just a simple, no more solitary confinement in city jails. It, it creates a whole system for how people who may be violent detainees, who may be violent are separated from the general population. It has a lot of specific rules around that, but it also requires limits on how much people can be separated and that they require movement and light and air and different things that would sort of create the definition for banning solitary as we sort of know it. Um, it, You know, it's a very complicated piece of legislation uh, and that's part I'm sure of why it hasn't moved, but Any forecast on that? Do you still support that bill? Do you think it will move um, perhaps next year?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, and that's a real, real critical question that you ask. The solitary confinement bill, um, it, it... we have been working with it as you said it's very complicated so we have been working with the public advocates office we've been working with advocates we've been working with um others we've been working with the unions um to you know try to get this right we are still working on it um i I'm, i will I, I don't see it moving uh, this session quite honestly mm-hmm. but you know moving forward um i we've got to see a clean bill uh, when it comes to solitary confinement, because we've got to to make some changes uh, when it comes to the use or the non-use, really, of solitary confinement in our city jails.
0: And just so listeners are clear, this this session ends at the end of this year because it's a two-year session. So a new a new council session starts in January, correct? That's that's what you were referring to. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: that's but, and correct. That's,
0: that's a reminder. There's elections happening, uh, and so folks should vote in their local city council. Elections, um, and obviously that discussion ties in with the closure of Rikers Islands, but we won't get to that in this conversation. You've uh, recently announced the reconstitution of the uh, so-called Litman Commission to mm-hmm. help chart the path forward on the closure of Rikers with new information and new administration, et cetera. The mayor's, uh, you know, been calling for a new plan on that to uh, perhaps uh, pull back on the timeline, and you're, you've you've reconstituted this commission, so we can pick that up. Maybe next time we'll talk about where things stand on the on the Rikers closure plan. But City Council Speaker Adrian Adams, thank you for all the time. Appreciate you joining. And if me we and could
1: just if if we please. just before we conclude oh, and, sure. and I thank you for that, I just wanted to clarify something because oh, we please. did we opened up on the uh the November modification. I just yes. want to make sure that we're clear because we talked about budget modifications and mid year adjustments, and those two aren't connected. So okay. I just wanted to make sure that that uh, your listeners understand that the budget modification process is going to come in a few months. The DOE's mid-year adjustments is at the end of this month, so mm-hmm. we need to treat the various schools as unique because they face different situations, and some with low enrollments can handle adjustments, whereas others can't. Mm-hmm. Each school is unique, and we need everyone to get into the room and figure out all of the solutions and engage all stakeholders.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so you so. Uh, That conversation on the school year adjustments, you're saying really needs a very careful consideration that that you want you want the council and especially the local council members dealing with their local schools to be to be part of.
1: Yeah, correct. Uh, All schools are not under that blanket of, you know, of the um, uh, adjustments because every school is not the same. So
0: and also just know quickly There's a lot of schools that may have increased enrollment over what their initial projections. So they might be due a little more funding. uh, Absolutely right. School by school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And thank you for the time. City Council Speaker Adrian Adams. Appreciate it.
1: Ben, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: Be well. (laughs)